Things got rough in Center City Saturday night with mobs of teens ransacking convenience stores and things didn't get any better Sunday once police say the guns came out. Suzanne Pileggi says she recently left home with her son's baseball bat. I'm very concerned lately and um, when I walk around, I mean, one time I took his baseball bat with me just to get water ice. You armed yourself with a baseball bat out of concern for your safety. I did. What began as nuisance and property crime Saturday escalated to something more serious and dangerous on Sunday as those shots were fired around 10th and Market. Councilman David O pointed to a lack of accountability. The city has to really reevaluate whatever it was doing, whoever thought this was a good idea. It's a really bad idea. It's not worked in the past. It's not working now. Swallow your pride. Get back to providing public safety to the citizens. California is in the lead, can show the rest of the nation how it is done. Warning just coming in from CalISO, who runs the power grid in the state. They say they expect demand for electricity to outpace supply tomorrow. And they say that means rolling blackouts are likely. They've issued a flex alert from 4 p.m. to 10 p.m. tomorrow night. And during the flex alert, again, you are asked to set your thermostat to 78 degrees or higher. Avoid using major appliances and turn off all unnecessary lights. You know, you hear all this stuff. I mean, I hear a lot of people chirping about Florida from like California. They're so worried about Florida. They can't even keep the power on in California. I mean, are you kidding me? Someone told me that they will be able, once all the people that want to move to Florida move out of there, then maybe they'll have uh, adequate power. But I mean, it's just, it's just ridiculous. President Biden understands and his policy embraces the notion we can use gas to transition, but it must be transitional or capturing all of the emissions. And, 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 and so replenishing some of what we needed to keep Europe uh, and its economy humming or to heat homes in very cold places and so forth, that will be necessary in the short term of the transition. But nobody should be fooled into thinking, oh, wow, you know, because of Ukraine, we can just forget about going ahead and deal, dealing with the climate crisis. No, no, and no, you can't forget about that crisis. It has to be dealt with simultaneously. I love it. I, I love that there's no uniformity to our game. It's my favorite part about our sports. You know, I've heard uh, comments about our, our, our sport and the direction. I think we've got a monopoly on the summer. I think, I think we're blue skies and green, green grass and baseball caps. And, you know, there's something about the different ballparks the different climates, the different fan bases, that's, to me, the appeal of our game. You can sit and put around on your phone. You can have a beer, a hot dog. You can stay locked in on the game and score it. You can sit in the stands and uh, sit on the, uh, on the uh, concourse, stand on the concourse and banter with, with friends and family and catch up. Uh, come late, leave early and you can still have a great time. I love our game for that reason. So you've heard us say this, that what, what we see Russia's doing, and we've been very clear about this, is that they're using energy, they're weaponizing energy, and it's choosing to, to one of the things that uh, has been out there to shut down the pipeline of Nord Stream 1. If we're all in agreement that it is incorrect to say the 2020 election was stolen, what about the 2016 election? Look, I'm not going to go back to where we were or what happened in 2016. We're going to focus on the here and now. We're going to focus on what's happening today. And what's happening today is the 100th episode of the Unregulated Podcast with your co-host, Tom Pyle. And I'm Mike McKenna. Welcome back to the AEA Studios. Here we are, episode 100, Nobody Thought. Nobody thought we could get to 100, I, man. You know, it's just a bit of a lark that got out of hand, <laughs> like so many things in my life. Oh, boy. So in the uh, clips today, we heard from Secretary Jenny that California is, of course, in the lead. Yeah, You know the thing I don't understand about that? She said it like three days ago. They were already five days into their <laughs> yeah, flex yeah, alerts. I'm like, what in the hell? Does anybody at the Department of Energy not know anything anymore? Yeah. And then, of course... Uh, 
We haven't heard from him in a while, so I thought I'd throw in a little special Envoy carry, reminding us that gas is merely a transitional fuel, and don't be fooled, don't be fooled. Yeah, let's, let's nobody should be fooled. Let's let's stop and talk about that for a second. You know, first off, every time he talks, I, I understand our defeat in Vietnam a little bit better. Um, you, know, <laughs> you know, he's a frontline officer. You sort of understand what happened. That's thing one. Thing two is natural gas has now been a transition fuel for 20 years. I've been listening <laughs> to this rhetoric for 20 years. We're, um, we're going to get into energy. At what, at what point does it stop being a transition fuel and just become like, that's we, it. We it's a fuel. American Energy Alliance, uh, without talking about a little bit about energy, I got a few, uh, one I got other a thing, few tidbits. On one it. other thing, right? That thing in the opening with the lady from Philadelphia, I had to take a baseball bat to get water ice. That had to be the most Philadelphia yeah, sentence yeah, ever totally. uttered in the history of Philadelphia. <laughs> Well, I, and you know, we'll get into this too, maybe, maybe not, but like, why in the hell aren't the Republicans talking about law and order? It's top of mind. I mean, people yeah, I, are I, like, the only... I, I, I had lunch with a dear friend yesterday and she said, they're, they're moving people into basements around the corner from my house in like upper Northwest. And there's like gunshots going off. Yeah, I... I... You know, and I've said this about D.C., right? There's a sense of lawlessness in, D in D.C. It, the thing that happened in Memphis uh, last night, right? You probably missed it. Guy just drove around Memphis shooting place up, killed like four or five people, wounded another four or five people. It took him like – took the cops like six, seven hours to track him down. I'm just like, what, what in the hell is going on? And the answer is I don't think the Republicans – want to talk about anything they don't i think they want to talk about inflation they want to bury their head in the sand and they, they can go on offense on on a lot of these issues I, I and they're say, being advised just to like dodge and and weave and dodge. i feel like it's that movie dodgeball I, you know what i would do i honestly and I'm, I'm gonna start writing about this every every time i get a chance now if i was a republican i'd say i, I forget okay you don't want to talk about policy i get it right but at least talk about the things you're going to vote on like we're going to go back and we're going to vote to turn those eighty-seven thousand IRS agents into cops. We, we you know, we we're going to take that money and make it make it police on the street. We have this is episode one hundred. We have been harping for weeks and weeks and weeks about how the Republicans have an amazing ability to snatch defeat from the jaws of victory, yeah. and they are not disappointing us at no, this point. It, it, it's it's astonishing to me. It's no, astonishing to me. You know, we we it's not that hard. Somebody once said there, you know, in America there's the stupid party and the evil party. I'm not sure that's right. I think there's just the stupid party and the stupid party. I, I this is were I running for office, I would seriously talk about crime and the economy and education every day. That's it. That those are the three things I would talk about and I'd just be like, hey, you enjoying this? Because, you know, think about, you know, Eliza Fletcher, right? That that poor lady who got abducted and killed in, again in Memphis. Um, the, the guy who killed her or the guy who was accused of killing her, um, out, early release for good behavior. Early release? Early release? I did... This is crazy talk. And, and I realize I'm speaking now as a veteran of the 1988 campaign where we, I don't want to say we discovered Willie, Willie Horton because we didn't because Al Gore discovered Willie Horton and used it against Dukakis first. But we picked it up. We gave it to people. And, you know, it, and it was a perfectly legitimate thing to do. Your decision to let this guy go resulted in the death of somebody. Oh, that's racism. It, but I... Again, I wouldn't feel any worse if she was Hispanic or, or black right. or Asian or whatever. She'd still be just as dead, and that guy would still be running around on the streets. I'm with you. This law and order thing is powerful. I don't get why we're not talking about it. Okay, so uh, I found out also that uh, Karine Jean-Pierre, uh, I didn't realize that you could get really nice suits <laughs> from the Nordstrom Pipeline. Uh, okay. you, you know the funny thing? Is, <laughs> you know the terrible thing about that is that happened at yesterday's um, stand up at noon, and it's like ten thirty five here. And it's recording. She still hasn't said, 
hey, yeah, I goofed on that. Sorry. No, it's okay. It would have been one of those things. People would have been like, yeah, no, I get yeah, it. She totally. didn't goof either in 2016 when she tweeted that the election of, of the Georgia governor was illegitimate and also implied that the election of Donald Trump was illegitimate. Well, she's an election. But we're focusing on what's happening today. She's an election denier. So is Al Gore. So is yeah. Hillary Clinton. So is Kamala Harris. Every All of those guys are election deniers. So when the president talks about election deniers, he probably wants to be a little more circumspect. All right. Announcements. announcements. I want to do some thank yous. So do I. See you first. This is the 100th episode of the Unregulated Podcast. I would like to thank the board of my beloved American Energy Alliance and also the good folks at the Washington Times for co-sponsoring this, whatever this thing oh, that's is. The, that's the saddest, <laughs> that's the saddest shining of an apple I've ever heard. I'd also like to thank our producer, Alex Stevens. Why, he's done nothing. Who has to listen to us, not once, but then edit us. And then probably- It's a privilege. He should pay us. <laughs> okay. And then all of our listeners, obviously, uh, it's a small- it's a uh, huge following, universe. but it's a core, small and uh, loyal, deeply disturbed following. Hillary, Dan, Lou, Mike, Teresa, Steve, cousin April. I know you've got a list of of thank yous also. And then finally, I'd like to thank you, Mike, oh. for going along on this roller coaster ride with me. Uh, it's I mean, been fun. Does that mean I got to thank you now? No, you don't have <laughs> okay. to. You're, you're you're your own man. It's America. I'd, I'd like to I'd like to indict you for coming up with this idea <laughs> and making me do it. <laughs> Yeah, I think of everybody. Uh, I did you get Barbara? Did you get Barbara? I didn't get Barbara. I knew you were going to get Barbara. Okay, Barbara. I get, wasn't leaving anybody. Did you get Hillary? I was saving did you get Hillary? I did. Hit uh, okay, good. Um, uh, we also want to add Rob and Frank in Houston, our, our outpost in Houston, Janet, um, in um, well, Janet's in D.C., but we don't want to be any more specific than that, do we? Um, Shannon also in D.C. and um, Margaret also in D.C. So, and then last uh, but not least, I'm going to use his last name because I know he wouldn't mind, uh, Richard Chalky, right? Um, who's been a, who has been a good friend since I've been in a, since I was in the White House and up until now. So, there's that. What else you got? I got one other thing. One other announcement? Yeah. Go ahead. It happened right before we went on air. Bernie Shaw died. Oh, no. Yeah. Yeah, 82 years old. Former Marine. Author of the author and administrator of the single greatest question the, in the history of presidential debates. The anchor of the of the of the world of the Gulf Wars. Yeah, back when CNN used to be something. Yeah, I mean, we used to sit around uh, in the fraternity house and drink beers in the afternoon and just watch the coverage. Well, was... you know, so Bernie asked the great question at the top of the third debate with Dukakis. And <laughs> oh man, I, if I'd known you were going to do this, I would pull it up. I'm sorry, I, did, I, so I literally good. just picked it up on. We'll, we'll get it. We'll yeah, get we'll it. We'll find it for next we'll week. We'll find it. Yeah. Um, and he asked. He asked right out of the gate. First question right. with Dukakis. Hey, you know, you're against capital punishment. Suppose somebody, you know, busted in and raped and killed. I remember he lived first. He, Kitty. The, and, the, it's not just the response, but the visual. Yeah, well, the visual is, you know. The, so, no emotion whatsoever. So Bernie's getting into the question, and Mike is, you know, Dukakis, Governor Dukakis, is just sitting there like, what? And um, and uh, gets the end of the question. says, you know, if that happened when you want to kill the guys, and uh, when you want those guys dead, right? And uh, and Dukakis kind of launched into a talking point on it, at which point, you know, even, even, even Vice President Bush, the time Vice President Bush, was like, he kind of eyeballed it, gave him a sign. lost like, the debate right like, there. Like, what the hell? You know, we're all sitting there in head we're all sitting there in headquarters. Like, I guess it's we over. should. I guess we should start thinking about what jobs we want because yeah. this thing's over. The other it was that the same debate where he asked. It was Bush, only about ten days out from the election. I mean, it wasn't same, like a same debate where he asked Bush, "Is there anything about his opponent?" It was actually that was the second debate. I think. <laughs> is there any, Mr. 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 Vice President? Anything about your <laughs> opponent that you? Yeah, uh, yeah, I like the concept of a Dukakis family. <laughs> <laughs> that was all HW could pull out on that one, right? So I'm sorry about Bernie. And I think I bored everybody with my Dukakis story. I ran across him like 15 or 20 years ago. I remember you told just me. Just walking around in the, yeah, <laughs> in yeah, the yeah. Rayburn building. Yeah. I'm fine. I walked up to him like, like, are you lost? I'm like, Governor, can I can I help you at all? And, and he's like, well, I'm, I'm going to, he was going to somebody in the delegation's office. He got turned around a little bit. And we walked, I walked him to it. I guess it was, a, who would it would have been? I don't know. One of the, Richie Neal probably. Anyway, um, he and I chatted for a bit. I told him that I worked on the ADA campaign and, you know, 
I, I, part of me is like, maybe I should apologize for the fact that we ran him over a couple of times. But I'm like, no. Yeah, he's, he's over it. No. All right, this day in history. <clears throat> Ready? Sure. 1504. 1504 today, September 8th. <clears throat> 1504. The St. Bartholomew's Day Massacre in Paris. No. Okay. What do you got? This was the... It's like 1600. It's the only thing the I got. The day that our one of our most beloved works of art was unveiled. David. That is correct, sir. Uh, the okay. statue of David by first name only Michelangelo Bonarotti. Bonarotti. Yeah. Bonarotti. Uh, unveiled in Florence's Piazza della Signoria. Signoria. Uh, one of the finest examples of high Renaissance art. And I have seen David in the flesh. I have. It's a big dude. Yeah, I imagine. And his replica, where he was, is standing, is outside of the, he's inside, obviously. But exactly. Yeah. 1664, I threw this in for you, sir. 1664. Uh, London burns to the ground. No. New Amsterdam becomes New oh, York. Oh, New York. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, 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 the Dutch, 1664. Ah, Peter 64. Yeah, that should have been the. the Surrender New Amsterdam, the capital of New Netherland. To an English naval squadron under Colonel Richard Nichols. Of course, the uh, the Dutch claimed New Amsterdam and purchased it from the Manhattan tribe for a mere twenty-four dollars. Twenty-four bucks, yeah. And and you know, to this to this day, nobody believes this until you live in New York. To this day, the Dutch presence in New York is is very strong. It's powerful. They still have they still have a huge chunk of the money, real estate, all of it. Oh yeah. I mean, they are they are careful. Business-oriented people. Oh, and by the way, for those who don't realize this, uh, and there was no issues with permits at the time, New York was flattened. Manhattan was flattened. It was it was a let's, hilly. Let's hope so. Mountain, you know, small, lots of little rolling hills everywhere on, on the island of Manhattan, and they decided to level it, make it perfectly flat Good to create that. that grid. So, I mean, right down, right down to what's his name, the last, the last mayor, right? Okay. Wilhelm de Blasio. 1974, September 8th. You probably can guess this one. Uh, 1974. Gerald Ford pardons Richard Nixon. Boom. You nailed it. Yeah. A mere eight days after Richard Nixon, the first American president to resign. Uh, First? Yeah. Was there a second? First and only. Okay. Okay. Fair enough. Just wanted to just, uh, just check. Ford him. was the first president who came into office through appointment. Yes. Having replaced Spiro T. Agnew. Yes. Thank as you. As VP eight months prior. Thank you to the twenty fifth amendment. And was not reelected, of course. And uh, everyone knows that uh, President Ford put Chevy Chase on the map. Uh, pretty much. And Jim Baker. I don't know if that's so good or bad. But not we'll good. See. I got a date for you. Uh huh. This date. You want it? Yep. Fifteen sixty five. 1565. I'll give you a hint. The city of St. Augustine was established That's in the United correct. States of there America. There you go. <laughs> Winner. Ding, ding, ding. All right. I have one more. Lay it on me. 2022. I don't know. I have the 100th episode of, ding, of, ding, a, of ding. the most questionable podcasting. Yay. All right. 100th episode, baby. Okay. It's the worst music ever. We have a gift sitting here from a listener. I will, uh, or the listener will remain unnamed. Or it could be a bomb. I want you to read the envelope. We have not, we have not read this. Could be. We have not read this. This is, I feel like Geraldo about to open up. While I open the box, it is an un- Opened box, ladies and gentlemen. Celebrating 100th anniversary, the 100th episode of the Unregulated Podcast from, Therese, from, from Teresa and Lou and your and we have Epric fans. And it is. Oh, a, my. It is a, a great big, huge bottle of Jimison's whiskey and a smaller bottle of. Lemoncello. Lemoncello from. I have a feeling. Uh, he wants you to have the Jameson. He should want me to have the limoncello. <laughs> oh, wait a minute, heritage. there's more. There's oh, there's more. more. There's more, and it's uh, some bottle of Merlot Macallan. Oh my gosh, and another one, and another one. God, Lou, how much do you think we drink? 
Lou is, knows me really well. This is going to uh, something, something. A co- very nice bottle of cognac. Oh, that's what that is. That just shows you how low class I am. I don't even know what the hell that stuff is. Very special old pale BSOP. Sorry, I should have guessed that. Thank you very much. Lou, that's Lou, extravagant. Teresa. That's extravagant. You know what we're going to And we're the gonna, fans at Eprink. You know, the good news is we're going to use this to, um, we're going to use this as a foundation for our Christmas parties um, bar. So absolutely. And you'll all be invited. All of our listeners will be invited. Really? Yep. Okay. All right. Uh, topics this week. I wanted to start with and get it out of the way because it was disgusting here. Let me play a little clip. And with ourselves, too much of what's happening in our country today is not normal. Donald Trump and the MAGA Republicans represented extremism that threatens the very foundations of our republic. Now, I want to be very clear, very clear up front. Not every Republican, not even the majority of Republicans are MAGA Republicans. Not every Republican embraces their extreme ideology. I know, because I've been able to work with these mainstream Republicans. All right, that was an excerpt from President Biden's equality what was it? What the battle to restore the soul of the nation? A battle for the soul of oh, the nation. Oh yes, yes. In Philadelphia, with ominous red colors in the back and Marines in full uniform, it was one of the more horrifying moments in American presidential history. Perhaps you know it. It was. It and was, also, what, who are Republicans? It was unfortunate. It it was unfortunate, and I'm confident that. If he had to do it over again, he wouldn't have the ominous red background, and he might like stop shouting. Um, and the other thing is, of course, um, you know, it's all about dragging Trump into the into, of the, course. into the election. Same as the FBI raid. I've come to I've, I've concluded the FBI raid in Mar-a-Lago wasn't actually to find anything. It was just to drag him into oh, the yeah. middle of the of the election, right? Because oh, special nuclear codes, oh, it turns out those weren't there. Well, yeah. you know, this, that, and the other thing. Basically, you're going to find out he took a bunch of the guy's medical and legal records. Yeah. Um, yeah. So but there's a, uh, it's all of a piece. I will say this. Whoever's whoever's running the presidency now, and I don't know who it is. I assume it's Mr. Klain, but who knows? Um, whoever's running that thing now, they're the ones who probably should be um, – watched as threats to the republic because you can't have the president say stuff like that on a prime time i mean it 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 was way out of bounds it was just totally out of bounds and it was completely unprovoked i mean there was no specific thing that did it right it wasn't wasn't they've been planning it for months oh brother you know that that should scare everybody that they planned something like that for months and it still looked as bad as it was and the funny thing is hey we're gonna have optimism in the speech too like how do you accuse one third of American adults of being fascists and then have some optimistic uh, yeah. to say about it? Absolutely. All right, I want to play two quick clips from our press secretary. The new attention on the MAGA Republicans. You tweeted in 2016 oh, Trump stole an election. You I was tweeted, waiting, Peter, when you were going to ask me that question. Well, here, here we go. <laughs> you tweeted Trump stole an election. You tweeted Brian Kemp stole an election. If denying election results, is extreme now. Yeah. Why so let's let's be really clear that that comparison that you made is just ridiculous. I have How been I have ridiculous. been well. You're asking me. You're asking me a question. Yes. Let me answer it. And you said it's ridiculous. I was I was talking specifically at that time of what was happening with voting rights and the what was in danger of voting rights. That's what I was speaking to at the time. The new attention. Okay, you want to comment or can I blast the other one out first? There's another one. You no, can. let's have the, yeah, other one. the other one. Let's okay, have the other on. one. And again, we see majority of Americans who disagree. And so when you are not with where majority of Americans are, then, you know, that is extreme. That is an extreme way of thinking. I'm not going to. That's what I have for you, Phil. Yeah, there we go. What's to say? I don't know. I I, I don't know. I, 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 see, that's the problem with calling everybody fascist. There's only one place. If you're not in the majority, you're extreme. That's right. That's where we are now. That, that's that's right. where the Democrats. And, and, and there's only one place to go from, from either of those positions. And you know where it is? 
it's to violence. There's no other place to go. You can't negotiate with people who you've just like back put in that corner. And that's why a president shouldn't say stuff like that. And that's why his slow-witted press secretary shouldn't say stuff like that. Yeah. Because it just it puts everybody in a bad spot. Well, if you're not talking, you're shooting. Those are your two choices. Yeah. And part of me thinks maybe, you know, should I say it? They want to rile up some of these folks to the point where they do do something hope, between now and November. I, I, yeah, and I hope to God that's not I, I hope the case. That's, I hope that's wrong, right? But, but, but you're right but, on the line, Mike. They're right sure. on the line. They're not on the line. Like I said, when you call when you when you call somebody a fascist, when you identify them as extreme, literally when you marginalize their their opinions to the point where you're not allowed, you know, you don't want to hear it. That first First Amendment doesn't exist because. You know, everybody's nice and lovely. First Amendment exists because the alternative to talking in an organized society is not not talking. The alternative to talking is shooting. That's yes. it. If, you, if people aren't going to be heard, there's going to be some violence. I want to. I want to move. I want to stick with Biden, but I want to do a little aside because yes, this thing has come up again because yet again he gave a speech in which he said the following. Oh boy. I got elected to, I got very engaged, in my case, the civil rights movement. Uh, and uh, as a kid, I was, uh, I worked a lot in, in the movement and worked, and I got deeply involved in the Democratic Party because the Democratic Party in Delaware was a Southern Democratic. Okay. Brother. <laughs> and this was in 1987 when he was running for something president for like the what second time or whatever i don't know first, first time okay. first time 19 yeah, 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 during the 60s i was in fact very concerned about the civil rights movement i was not an activist i worked in an all-black swimming pool in the east side of wilmington delaware i was involved i was involved in what what they were thinking what they were feeling i was involved but i was not out marching i was not down in selma I was not anywhere else. I was a suburbanite kid who got a dose of exposure to what was happening to black Americans. But I, in my own city, worked there. One of the only white employee is the only white lifeguard in this the 13 or 14 lifeguards to find out that many of these guys lived in that city their whole life, a small city, and never knew a white man. It was a revelation to me. Okay, so which was it? He goes, he was very involved. Or I'm not involved. Or I wasn't. Marching, I wasn't in Selma, I wasn't anywhere else. I was just hanging out in the neighborhood pool. Do you want do you want to do, do, do you want me to I, I, let that's me why give, I bring it up, sir? Yeah, let me give you what's going on as best I can tell. He he's he's like a lot of old people, the first thing that goes is the timeline. Of course. And then the second thing that goes is the line between what actually happened and what I wanted to have happen. And that's I think we're in that second line now. The timeline has been scrambled, and now we're starting to get to the, yeah, well, you know, what I wanted to have happen is what, in fact, happened. So, yeah, it, it it's going to be a great second term, ladies and gentlemen. That's all I can tell you. Okay. All right. So I'm going to move on to one race, uh, U.S. Senate race in Pennsylvania. We uh, talked a little bit, earlier, or there was a clip earlier in the show about the stuff going on in Pennsylvania. Here are a couple of excerpts from the candidate for Senate, John Fetterman. Please understand the stakes in this race. Send me to Washington, D.C. to send so I can work with Senator Casey and I can champion the union way of life in Jersey, in, excuse me, in D.C. Thank you. Thank you very much. And it's an honor. I live eight minutes away from here. And when I leave tonight, I got three miles away. Dr. Oz in his mansion in New Jersey. You've got a friend and you have an ally. Send me to Washington, D.C. Thank you very much. Thank you. What is wrong with demanding for an easy, safe kind of their income, a path to a safe place for them to win, or excuse me, to, to work. 
I'm not laughing. No. And, and you know, I'm not laughing. It's the same with, it's the same with the president. You're, you, these people, the guy is sick. He had a major stroke. What the hell are they? Why, why is his wife or his, I, I said, why, why are his love was Jill? Like why, why is his love was letting, letting him yep. do this? That the United States Senate. And I, and I, and I, I, I mean this with as much respect as I can manage. It just really isn't that important. It's just not that freaking important. And yet this guy is like, well, it is and maybe it's him. If, I don't if, know. Maybe it is important him. if you want to ram, you know, it's, it's, fundamental transformation no, down our throats. Brother, that's too, right? It's too late for that stuff. You know, there's no fundamental transformation going on anymore. We're just shipping money to rich people now. Get yeah. the, get with the program, Tom. Well, to, to, uh, Ask the ask the chips Lest guys. Do you think or, we are just piling on here? I, this is a clip from CNN and Michael Smirconish, who's not uh, known as our important uh, background on Smirconish. We're going to Pennsylvania here. Important yeah. background on Smirconish, right? He's a Penn guy, Penn undergrad, Penn law. He's a Philly guy, so he knows yeah, what he, he claims to be middle of the row. We know he's you know the he, road he veers left. It tilts a little bit to the left, yeah. but yeah. Uh, here, let me play this clip. It's fair to wonder whether Fetterman is 100% or whether he's going to make a full recovery from that stroke that he had three months ago. He's really been shielded from the media thus far. One of the interviews that he did was with closed captioning. He's done two public events. He spoke for about 10 minutes at one of them and four minutes at another. So, you know, people rightfully, I think, want to know, how's he doing? Not well. Yeah. I'm... Is the answer. I'm, I'm concerned about this part. Obviously, but I think I'm more concerned about, and honestly, this isn't, this is being discussed, but what's not being discussed is he wants to eliminate. Yeah, he's crazy. He wants to like let everybody out of prison. Yeah. He wants to eliminate life without parole. Yeah, he's, he's, he wants to ban fracking in Pennsylvania. He just practically destroyed the town. Yeah, that Braddock. he was Brad and Braddock of the town that he was mayor of. Yeah, Braddock, Pennsylvania. Yeah. This this is not a guy who is good for the state of Pennsylvania. He's not even he's not even aligned with the state of Pennsylvania, right? I mean, look, um, right? Parole, fracking. He was a terrible lieutenant governor. He's been a terrible lieutenant governor. He's a terrible mayor. His parents paid for his life until his taxpayers could take over. Is the bottom line. Um, he's a Harvard punk. Pretending to be something else, so you know it. It um, it's a it, it, the stroke thing probably saved him from about two months of really hard, ugly campaigning directed at him, right? Because yeah. Oz now needs to be a little gentler. Um, the reality of it is, is that and I called this last week. I'll re up it now. Oz is going to win this race because yeah. Fetterman is just way out of whack with where Pennsylvania is. Yeah. All right. Well. We've got what? How many days left? Sixty. Us? Sixty days. Let's see what Oz can do 60, here. 60, uh, Sixty. And by the way, I, I don't. I'm not enamored by his staff at this point. So. Well, Fetterman's agreed to one debate. My guess is he's going to back out of that at the last minute. Um, but you know, Oz finally has his footing. He's got money coming in. Um, I think Fetterman is going to lose. Like I said, I think he's going to lose that race. He's. 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 But it doesn't change the doesn't change the underlying reality, which is whoever loves him in his life, it doesn't love him enough. Exactly. All right, let's shift over to Europe for a little bit. Seems that Bojo simply won't go away. If you have an old kettle, it <laughs> takes ages to boil. It may cost you twenty pounds to replace it, but if you get a new one, you'll save ten pounds a year for every year on your 10 pounds a year every year on your electricity bill in the same speech he also told his fellow UKers to buy not only buy a new kettle but be prepared for a very very rough winter well right the belgian guy and the shell guy um said hey five to ten rough winters can i can i add on to this a little bit in addition to my, in my addition to my usual, and I'm just gonna um, um, issue this notice every time I have to talk about Europeans. I don't really care. <laughs> <laughs> um, these are a group of people 
Well, let, let me let, I tell you what. I'll, I'll I'll knit it together at the end of it. But let me let me just say one thing. Um, companies are going bankrupt, and governments are buying them out. What you're going to have here shortly is a banking crisis in Europe. Oh yeah, in it's coming. An energy crisis. You're stealing a, my thunder, but go ahead. Yeah, we're going to have a banking crisis. You know, the new lady um, in charge of the United Kingdom or Great Britain or England or whatever the hell they're calling it nowadays. Um, the the guys new who- prime minister, uh, Liz Truss, who, of course, the conservative Twitter has pointed out that she's on the roster at the World Economic who Forum. Cares? She, you know, I could. Yeah. So she she keeps talking about, hey, we're going to do some fracking and yeah. blah, blah, blah. Yeah. This is from Zero Hedge. UK prime minister Truss plan for consumers quietly rescues energy traders, provides open-ended bailout for utilities. Well, they have to. They have no choice. And, and says, yeah, by the way, we can reinstate fracking. Of course, I mean, I mean, the problem that's is, easier said than done. They're not going to reinstate fracking. The problem is is that they they put a price cap on it, and somebody's got to pay for the money. And somebody's got to pay for it, and that means the government. It, it None of the Europeans, I still don't understand this. Well, maybe I do. None of the Europeans with the exception of the French, none of the Europeans are doing anything to address the underlying problem. Not a single one of them. They're all just like all these Band-Aids. It's terrible. They are a broken, desiccated continent. They're just, I don't understand like how in the world could you live with this for now uh, six, eight months and not have any plan. You're just like, if if we're America, we're like okay, we'd have a plan. It might it might suck, but we'd have a plan. Well, there's a plan. More renewables, oh, brother. <laughs> uh, a lifting of the green levies, removing of the green levies, and then a cap of household bills, which of course will be paid for by yeah the government. Debt. Well, be paid by government, yeah. right? Yeah. 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 Which means all, yeah. all the, the, the Goldman guys. Continuing to distort pricing. I was told this, by the way, I was told this yesterday. I found this out yesterday. The, it, it is a thing now, and the Goldman Sachs guys have a name for it. It's called fiscalizing the, the prices. You fiscalize it, you put it on the government book. And I'm just like, great, we have a name for it now. Um, okay, let me, let me take off my I don't like Europe hat. Um, I don't understand why we went there twice um, last century. I don't understand why we're still there. I don't understand why we help these people. Um, all these things that are going on in Europe, it's important for us to understand this. I'll come back to, I'm coming back to a point. They're all choice. They're all matters of choice. The Europeans don't have to um, be terribly deficient in energy. They don't have to have bankruptcies. They don't have to have skyrocketing prices. They have all chosen to do that. Okay? Can I make can I make a perfect analogy? Philadelphia, New York, Los Angeles, Portland, Memphis, Chicago. They don't have to tolerate violent crime. They have chosen to tolerate violent crime. In both cases, government has failed, but really who's failed is the citizenry has failed because they failed to refute, failed to insist the government does something. So for everybody out there who thinks that, hey, when you're thinking about government, we're not doing anything important, we're doing something important every day, or we're not doing something important every day. It depends on what they're allowed to get away with. Exactly. Right. Exactly. And and the fact that the Europeans are just heading towards this abyss and just don't seem to care. The death spiral of subsidizations and interventions in energy markets. How does this story? And, okay, let's let's see how it's going. In Germany, this is from Bloomberg. Oh. Germany, this is from September 5th. Uh, Germany keeps its nuclear plants alive as EU seeks crisis fixes. Germany moved to keep two nuclear plants available this winter in a policy reversal. Uh, In a hastily arranged call, German Chancellor Olaf Scholz and French President Emmanuel Macron made an energy pact to help each other through the winter. Beep, blah, 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 blah. So so they aren't going to phase them out immediately after all. But of course, much, much like John Kerry, it's inevitable. The transition is inevitable. Um, but here's the 
here's the uh, here's the kicker in this article. The largest source of electricity in Germany right now uh, is coal. Oh yeah, sure. Twenty nine nearly nearly thirty percent. They have spent nearly five hundred billion euros transitioning to wind and solar. So what's that like? Eighty seven bucks. What it- for the last twenty years? Five hundred billion euros, and now Germany gets. More, yeah, still gets again, more of its, again. again of its electricity. Well, in all fairness, from coal. In all fairness, the United States spent eight hundred fifty billion in the last seventeen years, and we get the same amount from from well, we legacy get the fuels. same amount from when our coal and natural gas. It's just inverted. Yeah, yeah we but get the, the percentage sa- is the same. We get the same amount. Right. We get the same amount from legacy fuels, and we got emission I, reductions. To so boot. you know, so. I'd like to. The only difference between. The only difference between our our lousy energy policies and their lousy energy policies is that is that we embraced fracking and we figured out a way everybody made money off it and so we embraced it and so it worked and you know if we didn't have fracking what would we look like yeah and if we had fracking but it was on federal lands it, would it, be, wouldn't, it wouldn't exist it would, wouldn't exist because it wouldn't exist. The Wall Street Journal recently showed a, a, a list of the uh, Leo, the leases. Harry Truman, point zero nine or point nine percent. Yeah, something along those yeah, lines. Yeah, it's, it's lowest. I mean, lo- practically zero leases. Lowest leases since Harry since Harry Truman. So since Harry Truman, which by the way, Harry Truman didn't lease it because nobody needed it, right? Because West Texas was still pumping, you know, pump 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 pumping. It it. Um, uh, I, the, the Germans, the Europeans, the English—they all just make me laugh and cry all at the same time. This is what get. This is what happens when you play soccer, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Not again! I thought we were past that. What happens when you? This happens when you confuse jogging for a sport. All right, this is a uh, a short little clip from. You know the good news. Can, can I? Can I? Before you play the clip, yeah. can I? Say, one great thing about it is. It's been a long time since we've been lectured by one of the Europeans about climate change. So that's great. That is that's true. a great byproduct. This is a uh, excerpt from Ursula. Yeah, man. Von der Leyen, who is the president von Leyen, of von Leyen, the von EU. Von Leyen. Yeah. Ursula von der Leyen. Yeah, she von Leyen. Yeah. Von der Leyen. She's the president Ursula. of the EU. She used the to poor be. Unfortunate she used to be the commander of the Forty Second Panzer Division. The four, poor sure. unfortunate souls in Europe. I don't know if anyone's going to get that reference other than my kids. Uh, here is what she had to say. And this is what is expensive because in these peak demands, the expensive gas comes into the market. So what we have to do is flatten the curve and uh, avoid the peak demands. We will propose a mandatory target for reducing electricity use at peak hours. And we will work very closely with the member states to achieve this. <laughs> catch that one? Uh, you know, the great news is... Did you catch that one? Yeah, man. All we need to do is you people need to stop using electricity. Flatten the curve. Where Flatten have you heard curve, that one baby. before? It, it, uh, Dude, I, we are not conspiracy theorists. <laughs> we are not. Okay? Yeah, this yeah, is... Deliberate stuff here. These are these are like deliberate I, I, words that these people are using. I'm well. I mean, they're these are climate lockdowns, baby. Well, they are they are getting to that, right? I mean, it's it's they're trying to control thermostats and all this other stuff. It, you it, know, the great thing great thing is when people speak with a German accent, everybody sounds like a like a deputy commandant of a reeducation <laughs> camp. We've a flattened the curve. Oh, or the man. Panzers will show up again, you know? I'm He's just like, you, all right, lady, whatever. I'm telling you, it is just uh, You know the funny thing is? How come how come how come the president can't can't call those guys fascists? I mean, they really are fascists. They they're, they're flat well, out I mean, fascists. It takes one to know one, right? Long history. Long history. All I mean, right. I would I would <sighs> bet you a hundred bucks Ursula's dad or grandfather fought alongside Adolf Hitler. I'm, I'm gonna <laughs> track that down. <laughs> Producer <laughs> You need to do a little research for me. Uh, I'm going to play this. We may... It's long. We... Go ahead, play it. It's our 100th anniversary episode. Right now, Europe's in the middle of an energy crisis, and it will be coming here. European power prices are going through the roof. One British cafe's power bill went from 17000 Aussie dollars a year 
to 93,000 a year. These crazy absurd price rises are being seen all over Europe and don't show any sign of getting better in the near future. So why is this happening? The price of natural gas is one reason. Europe relies on Russian gas. Sanctions and the war have seen gas prices skyrocket. Yet there are dozens of ways to create electricity. So why is gas having such a big impact? Short answer, wind and solar. All of Europe, especially Germany and the UK, have tried to transition to unreliable wind and solar too fast, shutting down coal-fired and nuclear power stations. As a result, they've had to rely more and more on gas-fired power to plug the gaps. Coal-fired and nuclear power don't fit into the green dream. Yet burning gas when the wind isn't blowing and the sun isn't shining is apparently fine. The lesson here is going green is going to send us broke. Despite the disasters happening overseas, it's not too late to stop it. It's time to turn the bus around on the wind and solar pipe dream. Let's get back to affordable power bills for all of Australia. That was Malcolm Roberts. Uh, at least there are some folks out there that are, are starting to push back. On of course. Business, the Australians right? don't play soccer. So They're almost Americans. So anyway, uh, that I, I played that because it was a nice encapsulation of what's happening out there. And I, you know, I, hope, I hope that they don't screw it up in Australia like they're screwing it up in Europe. Like we're trying to screw it up here, but we'll see what happens. Yeah, man. All right. Um, I got one more on the energy sort of bandwagon space, and then we can move on. I've got uh, some fun little, uh, fun little segment for us after you get go down your list. This is from Financial Times. This was August 29th. Companies attacked Texas over politicized ESG blackout. <laughs> blacklist. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, blacklist. Um, Sorry. Yeah. Financial groups included on a blacklist of companies that Texas considers hostile to fossil fuel, and I hate the term, have attacked the process. The companies themselves are hostile to fossil fuel. Politicized and arbitrary. This is literally what they did. God almighty. Who wrote that story? <laughs> This was, um, I'll find it. It's from Financial Times. It's oh, it's not, an FT thing. It's yeah. not a Bloomberg thing. Okay, sorry. Yeah. Texas Comptroller Glenn Hager, Hagar is implementing a 2021 law that requires state pension and school funds to divest shares that they hold in listed financial groups, which, in the government's view, quote-unquote, boycott energy companies. Vanguard, state. But critics complain that the office relied on a single ESG ranking to reduce the pool to 19 banks and asset managers. BlackRock was the sole U.S. entity on the list, which also included Credit Suisse, UBS, and PNB Parabas. Here's a quote. We do not believe this was a fact-based decision, said Mark McComb, head of BlackRock in the U.S. We see this as the politicization of pension funds. You miserable sons of bitches have been politicizing this stuff for three or four years. Now you're just mad because people are getting on to you. BNY Mellon said, we believe oh. our funds are erroneously included. Really? When was the last time you guys bankrolled an oil project? Credit Suisse said, we look forward to engaging with the Texas Comptroller to resolve this matter. Credit Suisse is not boycotting the energy sector. We firmly disagree with the controller. Wait a decision. minute. Wait a minute. I want you to go back and read that sentence again from those Weasley European guys, the credit, credit Which Suisse one? guys. The, the, credit Suisse guys. the credit Suisse guys. Credit Suisse guys. We look forward to engaging with the Texas controller. Stop. Well, fine so far, right? We're engaging with the Texas controller. resolve this matter. Keep going. Credit Suisse is not boycotting the energy sector. Okay, good. Now, what are what is in Credit Suisse boycotting? The energy sector. They're not boycotting the I'm energy I'm sure sector. they have lots of investments in wind and solar projects. Yes, yes. Probably involving the Chinese, too. Just like Richard Glick said, I, I have not gotten feedback on my pipeline proposal, as opposed to... We live in a terrible, terrible yes. world full of awful, anyway, awful people. I find it ironic and funny, if it weren't so sad... Good for Texas. ...that these... These banks and these hedge funds are saying, "Oh my God, this is arbitrary and politicized." You mean, you mean there's, you mean there's going to be trying to save the world? You mean there's going to be some pushback? Messing around. All right, um, I'm going to save predictions for last. We got a request uh, for the hundredth anniversary, hundred hundredth episode. Sorry to do 
some predictions. So I'm going to have we you did? rattle off your list. I just have one thing. I just have one thing that I wanted to talk about. Um, it, it also involved predictions. Who's gonna Who's gonna um, play in the Super Bowl? That was one of mine on the list. Oh well, I'll do it. Well, we'll do it when you get when we get there. All right, that's All it right. for me. Okay, predictions. This is how it's gonna go. <laughs> so this is gonna I'm go. gonna rattle it off, this and you're gonna, gonna go. give me your predictions, and I will decide if I want to give mine. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds fair. Okay. All right. First, World Series. Who's in it? Who wins it? I'm gonna write these down, and we're gonna come back yeah, and see how it goes. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, the Dodgers. Uh, the Dodgers and somebody from the American League, and it probably doesn't matter, but let's say the Astros, but the Dodgers are going to win it. Okay. I have Dodgers. The only, the only way that changes, and this is an important thing, right? Max Scherzer is hurt. If Scherzer can pitch, the Mets will beat the Dodgers. But right now it's the Dodgers and the Astros and the Dodgers win. Okay. That's where I was headed to. I mean, that's the smart bet. Well, I think the Mets, the Mets are the only team that can beat the Dodgers, right, because, the, because of the pitching. Although there's a factor here that we don't take into consideration. The Dodgers, they just don't have the mojo in the playoffs. True. As good as they are. True. The other factor that you're not taking into consideration is, is it's the Mets. So the chances of them doing something that's right. like Met-like is high. And let's not count out the Braves. They could they The could Braves are the hottest repeat. team in baseball, they right? They're 21-5 over the last 26 so, games. I. I, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to go a little out of the limb here. I'm going to say Bravos. The Bravos? Repeat. Well, That's where I'm, I'm going. Between the Dodgers and the I'm doing Braves repeat. I'm going to go. I'm going to stay with the Dodgers, although I'm going to root for the Braves. And Steve's going to be really happy that I said that. House of Representatives. And what's the spread? I, I don't think they're going to do well at all um, going down the stretch. I think they're probably only going to win like 87 games and miss the playoffs entirely. The House of Representatives? <laughs> You're going to dodge this one, aren't you? You're not ready for that I'm prediction. Sorry, what's my number? Too early? What's my number? Uh, am, I, am I going to number? Control of the House, plus or minus. Yeah, Republicans are going to win. They're going to have about uh, 227, 228 seats when it's all over. Okay. Okay, I'm going to go Republicans, and I'm going to go north of 228. Like 230? Yeah. Yeah, I get it. Okay. I think anything between 220 and 230 is pretty defensible at this point. Okay, so if that is indeed the f- the the case, then who be who is the next speaker of the House of Representatives? Ooh. Not who you want it to be, but who is it gonna be? There's a bunch of people who've signaled that they will not vote for um, Kevin McCarthy. There's a equally there's not an equally large. There's a much smaller group that's indicated they're not going to vote for Scalise. I'm going to say Scalise, but I'm going to tell you right now it's going to probably be an open thing. It's going to be a it's going to be a um, a bit of a bloodbath. Yeah, yeah. All right. Um, and and I wouldn't I would not be surprised if we get a name that comes out of left field and catches us by surprise. And I'll give it you won't some, be Jim Jordan. He's no, he's, his time is coming gone. I'm not thinking about somebody like that. I'm thinking about um, like somebody like Kathy B. Morris Rogers would not amaze or surprise me. Right, mm. a a a a candidate who to stop the bleeding. Kind of like a ha- like a, a Haster type type yeah. deal uh, like ninth 11th hour you know just avoid all of this stop stuff the, stop the bleeding put in a you know yes. placeholder yes. person or whatever yes. and it and, and and under those circumstances you have to figure that's likely to be a female member which means just as a practical matter at least stefanic or, or okay or, fair or, enough or, or make more Rogers. I, i'm gonna and you know what i don't I, I i really don't think speaker is that important a gig that i really worry too much about it I'm much more concerned about who's going to wind up with the committees. I'm also concerned about who's going to wind up with oversight. And I know McCarthy's staff already has an oversight person who's supposed to be babysitting and coordinating everybody else's oversight activities. I worry about that. Yeah, well, that that alone should be a disqualifier because that goes against what we've been talking about, which is – we got to push the power back down. So to the committees, yes, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah of course, no, of course, this puppet, of course. puppet committee business. Yes. All right. I'm gonna unless you're I'm in favor successfully unless, defer, do, but, dodge the prediction of of the Speaker of the House, Senate. Hey, how come you get to U.S. Dodge? Senate? Uh, I think the Republicans are going to go plus two, and I'll, I'll okay. I'll, now, do you want to roll through that, or do you want to save that? for I'm happy episode? to roll through it if you want me. All right, I'll, let's I'll, go. For I'll it. do it real quick. Um, there's lining up to be uh, 
five races that are going to be material, I think. Um, Georgia, uh, Nevada, New Hampshire, Arizona, Pennsylvania. Am I at five? That is five, sir. Yeah. Uh, I think the Republicans are probably going to win three of them. Uh, I'm going to say you're going to – I'm going to say you pick Georgia, Nevada, and Pennsylvania. If you want me – if you ask me to pick the three, those are the three I'd pick. Um, but I I think that we're going to be – there's a there's a pretty good chance we're going to win Arizona and Nevada and Georgia and Pennsylvania. I just worry about Arizona. It's just too weird. It's, it's just a little a volatile. Weird state. It's a little it's volatile. It's always been a little quirky. It's a little Republicans volatile. Republicans don't do that tremendously well there. It's it's so. it's, it's it, th- those are all fair. Those are all fair statements. It would not. Let's put it this way. It would not amaze me for the Republicans to go plus one or plus three, but I think plus two is the middle yeah, ca- middle I, course. I right? think I'm leaning in that direction. I, I'm just sad by it though because we should be talking about. Like, if they had done it right up to this point, we should be talking about a lot. We should well, be much you forget, happier. You forget. Of... Everybody forgets that, it, that the, the math is terrible on this one. It's like, what is it, 22-12? Yeah. So, you know, the math is not good this year. Math next year, math ne- that, that, that. the math next cycle is better. All right. Okay. So if that happens, majority leader. The founders are – the framers were really – super smart about how they moderated they were, but they're just impulses. old, antiquated, washed up. <laughs> the, I more, mean, the more you live with the they're process, just terrible. Like, just, just, guys were a different time, a different time. Yeah, we gotta, yeah, we yeah, update yeah. the Constitution. We do need to update it, but I don't mean it the way they mean it. Um, <laughs> I, gotta, I, was, guess, I feel like we could repeal a couple of those, like yeah, the one where say. direct election to senators comes into play, but that's always been my pipe dream. Okay, I'm Majority sorry. leader, let's roll real quick. Majority, Majority leader of the United States Senate? In a, in a Republican House, Senate, Senate. Senator McConnell, for as long as he wants that chance. All right. I was going to say the same thing. That's an easy one. Pennsylvania governor. Although, in all fairness, Senator McConnell did not has not had a great end of session here. Um, sorry, Pennsylvania senator? Pennsylvania governor. Oh, I got to get back to you on that. All right. We'll hold that's on a, that That's one. a close one. I'm going to have to take a look at some data. Arizona governor. Oh, I, I think Lake's going to win. You think so? Yeah. I'm, I'm going Carrie Lake also. I want to play this clip. Uh, this was floating around the Twitterverse this week. This was in response to a question about election, questioning election results. Yeah. I, hold on. So you said you feel like Joe Biden is dividing the country, but do you feel like Donald Trump is doing the same by falsely telling people that he won that election when he lost it? How does that divide the country? Questioning, questioning an election where there are obviously problems is, is dividing the country? Since when can we not ask questions about our elections? As a journalist for many years, I was a journalist after 2016, and I distinctly remember many people just like you asking a lot of questions about the 2016 election results. And nobody tried to shut you up. Nobody tried to tell Hillary Clinton to shut up. Nobody tried to tell Kamala Harris when she was questioning the legitimacy of these electronic voting machines to stop. We're, we have freedom of speech in this country, and you of all people should appreciate that. You're supposedly a journalist. You should appreciate that. So I don't see how asking questions about an election where there are many problems is dividing a country. What I do see dividing a country is shutting people down, censoring people, canceling people, trying to destroy people's lives when they do ask questions. Last I heard, we still have the Constitution. It's hanging by a thread, thanks to some of the work some people in this area have done. But we're going to save that Constitution, and we're going to bring back freedom of speech. And maybe someday you'll thank us for that. Yeah, that was a good answer. It was a good answer, and it's indicative of the new class, right, the new crop, this black salt, DeSantis, this lady, Carrie Lake, I mean, they're basically not letting the media bully it, them any it, longer. It, you know, and they're, they're putting it right back at them. That's right. You know, they're they're learning um they're they you know, they're learning from Trump to take that first step needs to be forward into a fight. Yes. And they're also learning from DeSantis to don't be afraid to push back on the 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 underlying um Narrative premise of the of right. the question, right? Right, of course. Just let them have it. A, a, a tremendously healthy development. I'm not going to play the other clip I found of her, but she was asked whether if she was accepted to be Donald Trump's running weight, running mate, that she would, and she's like, I, something to the effect of, 
Interestingly enough, just a few weeks ago, you you guys said I was woefully unqualified to run for governor, and now I'm mm-hmm. actually flattered that you would consider me vice presidential material. But I'm running yes, I'm for the for, governor of Arizona, for and, this job. and basically, where's my opponent? I'm out here talking to folks. I'm trying to earn this post, and and just like basically shredded the guy, and also is her opponent at the same time. So yeah, I, I think she's gonna pull. She's off. gonna. Win. I think she's good. She's gonna win. So, but it also shows you like she's gonna win. I think Blake's media gonna win. savvy stuff. Yeah, I think know. she's gonna win. I think Blake's gonna win. I think you know it, it's just. I think we've seen top end Democrat in this cycle. Okay, Biden will be the Democrat nominee. When I'm sorry, in 2024. No, no, I'm gonna say no as well. Yeah, no. Trump will be the Republican nominee in 2024. Now you're trying to get me in trouble. We got plenty of time. We can defer on that one. (laughs) Yeah, can we wait on that one? Yeah, my my vibe is my vibe is probably not, but let's see. All right, uh, let's do this one. Senator Manchin's Political future. Senator Manchin's political future. No, the, the Biden guy's old name is an ambassador to someplace. Italy? The Vatican. Yeah. Someplace. He, but he, so that's it. He's done. Yeah, he could be. He could be. I can imagine that he's a cabinet secretary if that's, what he, that's how he chooses to go out. Yeah. So there was a WMOV radio Triton research poll out of Charleston. West Virginia's Joe Manchin's favorability is now twenty six percent in the state of West Virginia. Yeah, he's done. He's done. Sixty six percent unfavorable, and the poll says he would likely lose theoretical matchups against Alex Mooney, Patrick Morrissey, or Jim Justice in twenty twenty four. Yeah, I was going to say he's he's done in Pennsylvania. He's done in West Virginia. Right? Any any of those guys? The fact that he loses to Alex Mooney tells you everything you need to know, right? Yeah. All right, got a couple more here. Super Bowl. Who's in it? Who's going to win it? Yeah, I think the Bills are going for the AFC. Um, I think the Bills are going for the AFC, and I think they're going to win it. Um, oh, I, I, I guess I the, just can't. I can't weigh in on this. It's just difficult. I, I can imagine a world in which – I can imagine a world in which the Rams go again in the NFC. Um. I mean, the Packers should go, but Aaron Rodgers is so erratic. I can imagine a world in which Tampa Bay goes, but you know, Tom Brady's eventually going to break something. That, yeah. You know, every year you bet it. Every year you bet like he's going to break something. Let's just say the Rams and the um and the Bills and the Bills are going to get. So what they're they finally going to. They should have gotten last. They're finally going to get over Kansas City. I think. So. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, they beat them last year. <sighs> they just misplayed the last thirteen seconds. <sighs> Happens. No, no, they didn't beat them because the, the the score was. They had them beat. Yeah. Okay. How about if we say it that way? All right. Uh, will there be a two hundredth episode of the Unregulated Podcast with Tom Pyle and Michael McKenna? Oh, God. <laughs> I don't know. Isn't that up to us? It is up to us. Well, it's also up to our Lord, right? <laughs> that is true. Too. We know he's going to call us home. He's going to say, eh, "I've heard enough." All right, and because it is the American Energy Alliance, uh, and because our producer wanted to have some input, what will the price of oil be at the end of the year, and what will the price of natural gas be at the end of the year? Natural gas, where? In the United States. At the Henry Hub. Sure. Henry like Hub. the prompt month price. Sure. You guys got to be a little more specific about these vague questions, these vague financial questions. <laughs> natural gas price is going to be about uh, end of the year now. I'm going to guess eight and a half bucks. December 31st, when we wake up on December 31st, eight and a half bucks at Henry Hub. Um, and uh, oil, right? Uh, eight and a half average, national average? No, no, no. Eight and a half eight at and Henry, Hub. Henry Hub. Sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, pick, pick, pick it up in a container and walk it away from Henry yeah, Hub. Okay. Um, West Texas. Um, West Texas crude will go off the boards at uh, the hundred bucks. Uh, I was going to say ten and a hundred. I was going to just kind of make it a make it an even ten and a hundred. Ten is definitely possible, right? Definitely so, possible, depending on what kind of winter you looks like we're having in in December, right? That's the tricky part about it. We're having a bad winter. Yeah, it'll be ten bucks. All right. We should get Lou. On I forgot for the, to mention we get Lou on uh, for these predictions. I forgot to mention uh, in the. Opening clips, the, the 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 jag on baseball was from Joey Votto. 
Yikes. By the way. And uh, lastly. Can't get a pro ball player. Get Joey Vaughn. <laughs> get somebody from the Reds. You're just so mean. Why? I thought it was a great statement about it baseball. It was a great I statement. I thought it was a great statement. It's a beautiful baseball. statement about baseball. He's a very well-spoken young man. He has a long career ahead of him in PR or sales ESPN. or ESPN. Hopefully where Aaron Boone will be back someday. Da-da-da. Okay. Last but not least. Gonna play two clips. We want to hear feedback. Vote on your favorite Joe Biden clip of the week. Here's number one. God bless you all, and may God prect our troops. God bless you all, and may God prect our troops. And here's number two. We're putting people who have been left behind in the past or couldn't be, couldn't have been lifted out of anything before. We're putting people that have been left behind in the past or couldn't be or couldn't have lifted out of anything before. Send your votes to unregulated at energydc.org or shoot us a text. And send us a president, please. (laughs) May God prep our troops. That's it. Number 100 in the books. And I am opening the Jameson. Thank you again, Lou and Teresa. That's a wrap. Number 100, baby. On to the next 100. Namaste. Namaste.